0: This year's been a little tough. Wouldn't you agree? It's been rough. We've had a pandemic. We've had social discourse. We've had racial discourse. Um, Regis Philbin passed away. Like it's a really, right, yeah, right? It's a rough year. And it doesn't really, it's hard because, You can't tell when it's gonna get better. There's there's not necessarily an end in sight to a lot of the struggle that 2020 has brought us, and that's really unfortunate, because I remember at the beginning of the year, it was like, 2020, this is the year. This is the year we're gonna make it. And then, and here we are. It's, what month is it, August? Whew, it's been rough. But I have a theory about that. I have a theory that says that Everybody needs to go through struggle at some point in their lives. Um, it's, it's so important. You see it in nature a lot. So they say that if an eagle is, uh, is helped in any way, shape, or form during the hatching process, that its likelihood of not making it in the wild goes up drastically. Look at Cotton. Cotton is one of the weirdest plants out there because if you know anything about cotton, cotton needs two things to really, to bloom right at the end of its life cycle. It needs hot and dry. Name, don't name one other plant because I'm sure there's a million other plants out there. But think about that for a second. You get plants and it's like, give me sun, but don't give me too much sun. If you give me too much sun, I'm going to wilt. Give me water, but don't give me too much water. If you give me too much water, I'm I'm, going to get... mm -hmm. And Cotton's over in the corner, like, smoking cigarettes, listening to Metallica, and he's like, you need anything, Cotton? And Cotton's like, no, I'm good, man. And that was a dumb analogy, I know. My wife just shook her head, like, I cannot believe you just said that. And I don't know why she can't believe that, but, um, but, but struggle in our lives, it's, it's necessary. It's how we... It's how we temper ourselves. It's how we remove a lot of character defects. And I think it's kind of interesting because in the last probably 20 or 30 years, we've done a lot to try to remove struggle from our lives. Like think about pickup trucks. If you bought a new pickup truck recently, you have a backup camera. So you just get in the truck, flip it in reverse. There's a little camera right there, a little display. It's got the little lines. And you just ride up to the back of your trailer. You lock the trailer in, and you're off to the lake. When I was a kid, my dad taught me how to back up a trailer using a technique we all refer to as yelling and using obscure hand motions that neither one of us discussed before getting in the car. And he's sitting back there doing this, and he's doing this, and telling me to go right and back it up. Come on, go right. Turn the wheel to the right, turn the wheel all the way to the right, turn the wheel all the way to the right. And I'm in the car going, Dad, I am turning it all the way to the right. And he's still yelling at me going, who taught you how to drive? And it's like, Dad, I'm nine. Nobody's taught me how to drive yet. (laughs) I'm sitting there wondering why Mom isn't doing it, and she's in there because she got yelled at last time and said, do it yourself. (laughs) And removing struggle is not all bad. If you go into an elementary school, You're going to see a sign, at least one sign, probably more than that, that says something to the effect of um, one or more children in this classroom has a peanut allergy, so for their safety, we're going to keep this a peanut-free zone. When I was in elementary school, the teacher got up and said, hey, kids, Keith has a peanut allergy, which means you probably shouldn't get too terribly attached to him. Most of y'all laugh. There's one or two of you like, that's not funny. Peanut allergies are serious. What I'm trying to say is that, that struggle is important. And Paul says so much in Romans 5, 3 through 4. If you'll turn with me to the book of Romans. In 5, verse 3 and verse 4. Not only that, but we rejoice in our sufferings, knowing that suffering produces endurance, and endurance produces character, and character produces hope. So I want to look at, there's three statements in that verse. Suffering produces endurance, endurance produces character, and character produces hope. If you're a note-taking person, and you're feeling kind of kind of antsy, like you could try and put those three points in your notes, and hopefully you left enough room um, if you were out a room, though, that's not on me. It's on you. So, so the first thing we want to look at is suffering produces endurance. Now, if you think about working out, which I think about sometimes, I rarely do it, but I think about it from time to time. If you want to achieve your goals, if you want to get stronger, if you want to get faster, um, it's important to get outside of your comfort zone. Muhammad Ali once said that uh, I don't count all of my sit-ups I only start counting when it starts hurting because they're the only ones that count. And I can argue with that logic all I want, but the bottom line is he beat up Sonny Liston to, world, to win the World Heavyweight Championship, and I once ate 90 pizza rolls in one sitting in college. We've all accomplished different things, so I'm trying to say. But when we suffer, we have an opportunity to go outside of what's comfortable for us. And when we're able to do that, it it really shows us who we are and what we're capable of. Jordan Peterson says, the way that you make people resilient is by voluntarily exposing them to things that they are afraid of and that make them uncomfortable. James uh, 1, 3 through 4 says that knowing that the testing of your faith produces endurance, but endurance must do its complete work so that you may be mature and complete. Lacking nothing. Endurance is so important because endurance completes us. It shows us what's really deep down. When all the cards are on the table, what is, what is inside? What are we made of? That's so important in the Christian walk because it's not a sprint. It's a marathon. We're going to have to keep going. And we plan on keeping going for a really, really long time. And a big part of that is patience. And patience is hard. I know patience is hard because I'm impatient. I'm an impatient person. But patience is an ability to wait through your suffering. When we wait, we build strength. And when we're able to wait, God is able to take all of these character problems that we have, like anger and laziness and pride, and it turns it into uh, into to joy, um, into into humility, uh, and into a desire to seek God more. But the problem is that it takes time, and and some people allow their problem to overcome them in the beginning. Once we allow God to do work in us through suffering, that's when we're able to build character. So. If you think about gold, gold is one of the most important pieces of metal on earth because it it decides the value of other things. A thing's worth is only worth its weight in gold. Um, But not all gold is created equally. So to purify gold, you have to get it hot. There's your suffering. You gotta get it hot. You gotta put about 2,000 degrees up there. That's not important. I just wanted y'all to know that I know the melting point of gold. And once it's hot and it melts, and all of the garbage that's not gold floats to the top. And you can then scrape that away and purify the gold. And the smelter knows that the gold is ready when he can look inside of it. And he sees his own reflection, and there's nothing to obscure his own reflection. Do you see where I'm going with this? God will know that his work in us is done when he looks into our lives and he sees him. He doesn't see us. When he looks at me and he doesn't see John Berkey... He sees his own reflection staring back at him. And like I said, it it takes heat, it takes pressure. But remember what pressure makes, diamonds. Ezekiel 36, 26 says, I will give you a new heart and a new spirit I will put within you. Now, God wants to take out all of those character defects And all of those things that separate us from him. And he wants to put in his new spirit. He wants to put in the spirit that he desires for us. Not the one that we desire. And that's why it's so hard. Because there's a lot of things we want to hold on to. My grandmother was uh, a low-level hoarder. And when we went into her house, there was just all this stuff. There was there were a whole bunch of Christmas ornaments celebrating the uh, most recent Dallas Cowboys Super Bowl win. Does anybody remember when that was? How many people weren't alive when that happened? I was alive. Yeah, like you weren't even alive when that happened. And I see it in myself, because one time I had to get a tire replaced. And if you ever go get to discount tire, they always change your valve stem. And when I went up to the counter to get, get all settled up, he said, "You know, you, you, we replaced the pat, we patched the hole, um, and we replaced your valve stem because that's just what we do. Do you want your old valve stem?" And there was something in me that was like, oh, "Maybe I should hold on to that." Why? Why do you need a valve stem? You can't put it on anything. It's not reusable. It's junk. But for some reason, I have this innate desire to just hold on to things. And unfortunately, some of those things that we want to hold on to are keeping us from our Heavenly Father, keeping us from that relationship that we have. So God wants to put in his characteristics. Now, there are about 50 characteristics uh, mentioned in the Bible that make up biblical character, and we're going to go over every single one of them. That was a joke. I'm not, I'm not going to, some of y'all are really patient. Some of you are like, yeah, let's go, one through 50, let's do this. No, I'm going to go over uh, four, four different characteristics. Now, this is not a conclusive list. This is not a complete list of characteristics that you need by any stretch of the imagination. Please don't come up to me after the service and be like, well, what about this one? You need this one. Yeah, I know you need this one, but but this is my list, and I made it up. God made it up. Um, I just took it out. Um... So, so I just want to hit those real quick. The first characteristic would be peace. Now, in, uh, in John 16.33, says, I have said these things to you, that in me you may have peace. In the world you will have tribulation, but take heart, for I have overcome the world. Peace is really one of the first steps we have to get to because peace gives us this this mindset that is ready to accept God's God's will in our lives to accept the struggling and say whatever this is I can do this because that that's that last phrase in that verse I have overcome the world and what are your problems based around the world so we come to an understanding that God is in control of our lives um And just taking that moment, when you're in a struggle, when you're having a hard time, to step back, just close your eyes, breathe in through your nose, out through your mouth, slow down, and take a moment to just say, God, whatever is going on in my life, whatever I have, I'm giving this to you. And the ability to create peace in your own mind It's such a powerful tool. The next characteristic would be joyfulness. In Psalm 1611, it says, You make known the path of life. In your presence there is fullness of joy, at your right hand are pleasures forevermore. So once we take that step back and gain a sense of peace, we can begin to realize that God has never left our side, that God is always there 100% of the time. And I know that it's hard to think like that sometimes, but God has never left your side. Through nothing has God left you out to dry. And when we realize that, it's almost like this, 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 the clouds open up at that point and we see God and we realize joy. Because we need strength to get through Our difficult times. We need strength to get through troubles. And the joy of the Lord is our strength. So when we have joy specifically in God, then we find strength. We find that whatever comes our way, we can handle it. Because God is standing right there next to us, handling it with us. And the bottom line on that is that positive emotions play such a huge part in our resilience, in making the mind resilient. Uh, It it provides a a form of, of stress relief, allowing our bodies and our minds to kind of break that cycle of doom and gloom when everything's going wrong. We all know that one person who no matter what happens to them, they will find a way to complain about it. And they will find a way that it makes their lives miserable. But if 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 you can if you can pinpoint a moment and just say, God, thank you. Thank you for being there for me. There was a Christmas a couple years ago, and. Um, we did uh, Operation, or did the Angel Tree, and Chris, Christmas Child. What's it called when you take the thing off the tree? Angel Tree. I'm making this story a lot less emotional than it than it is supposed to be. We did that, and if you're unaware, you you, you they have a big tree set up, usually in the mall or someplace, and on it are these little angels, and you take the angel, and on it is a child. Um, in the New Mexico Baptist Children's Home, that has written down uh, a Christmas list, a wish list, and you can buy those things and and give it to them. And my wife and I had just moved into a new apartment, um, and it was it's it's not big by any means, it's not extravagant, but it's a roof over our head. It's got two bedrooms, it's it's big enough, a working stove, air conditioning, and heat in the winter. But we had just moved out of this very small apartment. And we complained for like a year about that thing. And we just hated it. And, but it was cheap, it was, it was good enough when we had first gotten married. And we were finally sitting in this new apartment that felt so much bigger than our old apartment, so much nicer than what we had. And then we get this Christmas child thing. And on it, this young man wanted two things. He wanted sheets and a matching blanket. And I had just spent a year complaining about a roof over my head. I had just spent a year complaining about a place that had air conditioning, that was something that was well below what I could afford, It's that moment when you can just find this thing and say, God, you have really taken care of me. You have done wonders in my life. And that's where joy truly breaks your cycle of angst and of doom and gloom. After we get peace, after we get joy, we can then begin to worship. Um, to live in awe. Hebrews 12, 28 says, Therefore, let us be grateful for receiving a kingdom that cannot be shaken, and thus let us offer to God acceptable worship with reverence and awe. And this is a little bit of a doozy, isn't it? Because the last thing I want to do when nothing's going my way is say, Thanks, God, because this stinks. But thanks, really appreciate it. But you think about Job. And Job's really the easy one to go to, but I'm gonna go to it anyway. Because when everything was going wrong in his life, when all of his money was gone, when his home was gone, when his family was gone, what did Job said? Say, what did Job say? You the Lord gives and the Lord takes away. Blessed be the name of the Lord. The ability to to worship, to praise God. With peace and with joy, we have reason to praise a heavenly father who has done so much more for us than was necessary. And it's, it's it's so powerful to be able to do that, because when Satan sees us and he thinks that he's gotten to us, He thinks that the world has gotten to us and brought us down, but we're able to look to the sky and praise God and say, yes, this is rough, but God is here, God is with me, and he is good, and his name is worthy to be praised. That's what I would refer to as the upper hand. After all of that, we come to the characteristic that I think makes all the other characteristics possible. And it's incredibly necessary is faith. In Hebrews 11:1, now faith is the assurance of things hoped for, the conviction of things not seen. See, faith is so important because faith and hope, they go together. The same things that are the objects of our hope are the objects of our faith. It's a firm expectation that God will perform all that he has promised us. And the bad news is that God really didn't promise us much here. Don't listen to anybody that gets up here and tells you that God's got really great things in store for you and riches beyond your wildest dreams and everything is going to be great. And and after, after 40 you know, life you're going to be able to skip down the road and everything's going to be great. That's the bad news. The good news is God didn't promise us anything good here, but he promised us something really great on the other side. Amazing on the other side. And eternity, I don't even have the ability to grasp eternity and how much shorter my life, in, in terms of of me being here compared to to there. It's mind-boggling. But faith can embolden us. We are promised through God's word that we do not have to have a spirit of fear, but one of love and of power and of a sound mind. Ravi Zacharias said, there is no greater discovery than seeing God as the author of your destiny. And if anybody knows anything about struggle and people trying to go against him, it's probably Ravi Zacharias, because that was what he decided to do for a living. He decided to let people challenge him to stand with the word of God and defend it with his dying breath. And his dying breath came just a couple of months ago. It was a huge loss to our community, but I think about all the things that he did in his life and all of the the hardships that he had to have endured. And there's that moment when he's, he's lying there and he takes one final breath and he closes his eyes and that's it for him on earth. But then he opens his eyes again. And I don't know... I don't necessarily believe that God gives anybody special treatment, but if God gave anybody special treatment in heaven, it was probably Ravi Zacharias. He probably I would not have find it hard to believe that God met Ravi Zacharias at the gate and said, Well done, my good and faithful servant. I know that this was difficult, but look what I have for you. Look what you get because of what you did. Because of your faith. Look how amazing all of this is. I know that struggling is difficult. I don't know that there's anybody here that could say they haven't struggled with something in the last week. But remember, if our goal is to be like Christ, which my goal is to be like Christ, and your goal should be to be like Christ, Suffering might be the goal. Suffering might be necessary. But that suffering has an end to it, whereas God does not. In the second installation of the Lord of the Rings trilogy, both in the book and of the movie, my wife has a mask on and I can still see she's smiling from ear to ear that I'm making a Lord of the Rings reference. In the second book, there is a moment when Frodo decides he's had it. He's done. He doesn't, he doesn't want to keep going. People are dying. There, there are people chasing him, whose goal, number one goal is to kill him and take that ring. And he says, I'm done. I can't handle this anymore. I'm out. I'm going to place the ring down on this rock and I'm walking back that way because nobody back there wanted to kill me, especially when I didn't have this stupid piece of jewelry. But his buddy Sam starts to talk to him about something. He starts this beautiful monologue about the stories that they were told as children, full of darkness and danger they were, And sometimes you didn't want to know the end, because how could the end be happy? How could the world go back to the way it was when so much bad had happened? But in the end, it's only a passing thing. The shadow. Even darkness must pass. A new day will come, and when the sun shines, it will shine out the clearer. Though darkness may come through the night, joy comes with the morning. Let us pray. Dear Heavenly Father, I thank you for this message. I thank you for placing this on my heart. I thank you for what you've taught me through through reading these passages, through trying to understand who you are and why we must go through these struggles But the reward is so much greater. And Father, I pray if there's anybody here going through struggles, that they will persist. They know it is difficult, they know it is hard, but I want you to please just give them the knowledge, remind them that you have never once let them go, and that eternity is a very, very long time. We love you and we praise you. Mary, I pray. Amen.